welcome to Soul Talk with Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Rabbi Aaron, you have a book that's entitled Seeing God. And I've been thinking about that topic recently because I believe in God. I believe nothing can exist without God. And I sense God's imprint everywhere. I look outside everything that exists. I have God's imprint within me or I believe I wouldn't exist. And as much as I'm seeing the imprint, I guess I'd call it, of God everywhere, I was thinking about the idea of can we see God? What does it mean to see God? And when I'm looking at all the things that God has created, that's God's creation, but it's not God, but it couldn't exist without God. So what does it mean to see God, especially that is the title of one of your books? Is it possible to see God? How can we see more of God within everything he created? Great, great question. Actually, I had a funny situation. A fellow contacted me. He was in the Barnes and Nobles in Manhattan. Was looking for something spiritual, and he uh, saw my book, Seeing God. So uh, he said, oh, wow, this sounds great. And then he opened up the book, and the first chapter was getting rid of God. Mm. And he got really angry. <laughs> you tell me you're going to see God, and then you tell me you're going to get rid of God. He said, I got so angry, I just sat there on the floor, and I read your entire book. And now I see Hashem. <laughs> So the word God is a little confusing uh, in the way I, I use it, uh, other than maybe the way some others use it. The first Russian astronaut, when he went into outer space, he was asked by ground control, what do you see? And he says, well, I don't see God. And well, what did he think he'd see? He, did he think he'd be in the middle of you know, outer space and suddenly two huge eyes would appear and a hand waving hello? What took you so long? I'm God. Um, the, uh, the idea of, um, seeing God, uh, is based on a new understanding of what it means to encounter God in this world. Mm. And, um, most people think that God has attributes. He has the attribute of wisdom. He has the attribute of kindness. He has the attribute of compassion or peace or justice, or truth. And that's very problematic because Jewish faith teaches that God is an absolute oneness. And if you have God and added to him are these attributes that he has, you now have a God who is a combination of essence with, abs with attributes. So it's really incorrect, although we do speak this way, we need to kind of realize that it is problematic to talk about God's wisdom as if it's an attribute that he has. God doesn't have wisdom. God is wisdom. I might have wisdom. For instance, if somebody reads my book, so uh, they encounter uh, my wisdom in the book, but they don't connect to me because that's maybe my wisdom in the book, but that's not me. I'm not my wisdom. I have wisdom. When it comes to God, for instance, in the Torah, when a person learns Torah and encounters divine wisdom, in so much that God is wisdom, that is an encounter with God. So in the in the in you know, so so for instance, you know, when you're walking down the street and you see perfect design, you see wisdom. So if you see wisdom, then in so much as God is his wisdom, that's what it means to see God. You know, or beauty. When you see beauty, God doesn't have the attribute of beauty. God 
is the attribute of beauty. And so when you're walking down the street and you see a beautiful flower, it's not the flower that's beautiful. God is beautiful. And, the, and, and, and God, as beauty, is being channeled through this flower. But the flower itself is not beautiful. And the flower isn't sharing an attribute with God's attribute called beauty. God is beauty or love. You know, if you walk down the street and you see uh, an older woman holding a younger child and she she hugs that child and she and she gives him a kiss on his cheek. What did you just see? You saw love. You saw love. Now, I could say you call that love. That's a big creature clutching a little creature, pressing their wet lips against their cheek. They say, what are you talking about? That's love. And so in so much as God is love, when you see love, I mean, genuine love, you've now seen one of the faces of God. Hmm. Well, this is a very different understanding than I think many of us, me included, have ever really understood what you're talking about. But it actually gives a possibility to even start to grasp what it could mean to see God. Uh, Whereas before, as you pointed out, it was a very great idea of seeing two eyes pop out at you in outer space is not going to be seeing God. So what does it actually mean? But just to understand some of these experiences are very subjective, meaning I see a beautiful flower. Someone else doesn't find it particularly attractive at all, something beautiful. So is it that it's not an objective reality. It's more of when I experience that attribute in its pure form, that's a taste of understanding what it means to see God. Is that the idea? Well, you know what? Uh, yes, it is relative. You might not consider it beautiful, but whatever you do consider beautiful, uh, and uh, that that is, so to speak, one of the faces of God. I might not see the face of God in that flower, but I admit that there's beauty. I'll, I'll give you an example. I was uh, uh, I did a workshop uh, in, in one of my my seminars and. I asked everybody without thinking immediately point to beauty. So one person pointed to uh, a chandelier that was in the room. Another person pointed to a painting that was in the room. And another person pointed to uh, a, a woman that was sitting across from him, which is a great pickup line. You know, it was his wife. <laughs> and, uh, and I asked them, well, wh- how do you see beauty there? And uh, they couldn't they couldn't explain, well, what makes that chandelier beautiful? What makes that? It's just I know that I've just encountered beauty. And uh, so there is a relative openness to how you are receptive to the beauty. But beauty itself is 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 not simply an attribute of God. It's really a face of God. God is beauty. And when you meet beauty, you have met God in a limited way because God is also wisdom and God is also peace and God is also kindness and God is also compassion and God is also justice and God is infinitely more than every all of that also. Um, but um, for instance, I'm a rabbi. So Rabbi David Aaron is a rabbi. When you meet Rabbi Aaron, you've encountered David Aaron, although the, but but not in his total form, because David Aaron is also a father and David Aaron is also a son. But in so much as I am a rabbi, you, you have met David Aaron. Most people, when they say, well, 
where can you see God? The question is, where have you not seen God? The truth is, once you understand this principle, God has been right before your very eyes all along. You just didn't know that God is beauty, God is kindness, God is wisdom, God is peace, God is truth, God is justice, and infinitely more than all of that, too. And so suddenly, God is very accessible, you know, rather than thinking that maybe someday when we leave this world, we're going to see some, you know, male figure on a throne, or we'll go into outer space and two eyes will suddenly appear and looking at us. Um, is this making any sense? Yes, I just think it's such a paradigm shift from the way I think most of us think about this that it takes some time to digest. Well, it is, it's definitely a paradigm shift. Uh, it's, it's definitely different, but it's not difficult to understand. It's just to understand that most people have put God way over the rainbow in heaven. Hmm. And there's a reason why we do talk about God as our father in heaven, because there, there, we, we, we first have to be aware of the truth of how transcendent God is before we can entertain how imminent he is. You know, uh, Spinoza said that God is everything and everything is God. Rav Cook said about Spinoza that he was pr probably the biggest idolater in history. Because uh, if Spinoza would have said God is manifest in everything, but he transcends everything, that would have been okay. But he didn't say that. He said God is everything and everything is God. Hmm. And, um, and everything isn't God. God is much more than everything. And, and, and God isn't everything, but God is manifest through everything. Yes, that's true. Because in so much as God is wisdom, when in, right now, if you're experiencing wisdom, hopefully people are in our conversation here, that's an encounter with God. This is not my wisdom. This is not your wisdom. We didn't create wisdom. We didn't teach our brain. Wisdom is, uh, it, it, it is a, um, a quality, a power. And our brain is like a radio that's tuning into that wisdom. So when you see wisdom, realize that that's actually one of the faces of God. Now, if you think that wisdom is God, that's idolatry. But if you say that God is manifest through wisdom, well, then that's that's Jewish. Hmm. That's very Jewish. So there's the concept of Kiddush Hashem, which my understanding is, is revealing God within this world and Chilul Hashem, which is almost like covering up, making it hard to see God in this world. And if then I'm understanding it correctly, then this really ties into seeing God, because the more we're revealing God in this godliness in this world, the more it's easier, hopefully, to see God in this world, the more we can connect to attributes of God. And part of that is the wisdom of God, the beauty of God, peace in this world, then the more we're revealing godliness, the ability, so to speak, to see these attributes of God in the world. And then when we, the opposite can also happen, it sounds like, that we can, even though God is here, we can almost cloud the vision from really seeing godliness in this world based on our actions. Well, it's, uh, we've used this metaphor before. I mean, in the room right now, there's music. But unless I have a radio that's plugged in, turned on, and tuned in, that music will not become present experientially in the room. Although it's, there's music in the air, so to speak. The frequency is there. But without a radio to be receptive of it and to transmit it, we're not going to get it. 
So too, the presence of Hashem is here and now and everywhere. The question is, are we tuning into that truth and allowing that truth be, become experienced and revealed in our lives? And so, you know, there's, it's like, I love um, photographers because they have this extraordinary ability to reveal beauty in places I would never have noticed. And I remember I was at a, a, a photo, a, a, a photography uh, exhibit, and there was this picture that was just stunning. It was a crack in a wall. Hmm. And, and this photographer just captured this crack. And it was really a work of art. And yet I would have just walked by that crack. And then there was another picture of a shadow of a bicycle in a hallway. And there was just something so beautiful about it, but I would have just walked right by it. So there's so much beauty in this world. And if we don't open our eyes and our hearts to be receptive to it, it won't be in our conceptual, perceptual world. Hmm. But it's here and it's now and it's everywhere. Is it a matter of mindfulness when you say to open ourselves up to it's all here, but we, and it was a great analogy about the radio frequency. Um, meaning what do we have to, so to speak, turn on within ourselves in order to receive what already exists. But as you point out, we have to actually open ourselves up to receive it. I think we have to start off with wanting to see it. And or actually even before wanting to see it, start off with understanding it's possible to see it. Going back to as long as I am under the impression that God is a particular being floating somewhere in heaven, then I will not in any way expect to see him here because <laughs> hmm. he's there. Uh, it's kind of like a person who's eating ice cream and you ask them, you know, do you like ice cream? And they say no. And you say, well, I don't know. You probably don't realize it, but that's actually what you're eating right now with tremendous you know, excitement and joy. No way. I didn't know this was ice cream. And so too, you know, people have been yearning for and encountering uh, the presence of God daily. They just didn't know that's called the presence of God. Hmm. When you're encountering, uh, you know, and, 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 and one of the important features of encountering the presence of God is if I bite into an apple, I, I, I feel a, a sweetness in my mouth. When I taste God in my life, I feel a yearning in my heart to be a better person, to be a kinder person, to be a more, um, a, a more loving person. And so when a person sees God in the world, how do they know that what they just saw was God? It'll be what will go on in their hearts because it will uplift them and they will feel a desire to grow and to be and to embedder themselves in this world. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people that say they're atheists and yet they're such, they're so profoundly mindful of God. They just didn't know that what they're, what they're mindful is what we call God. Hmm. What a paradigm shift. So I mean, it's like a person who's an atheist and he's very committed to the truth. The truth is there's no God. And you absolutely must know that. And I feel a tremendous mission to let the world know this truth that there's no God. Wait a second. If there's no God, there's no truth. And mm -hmm. if there's no God, there could be no value to your incredible mission because you're just a piece of dust that happens, you know, over billions of years. 
So it's so interesting how people don't understand that that they're so driven by the God they say they don't believe in. Well, so I want to connect what I'm about to ask you to our topic, because we've definitely talked about how is there a good God and evil exist. But in our context, we keep talking about what I call positive traits and attributes of God. And when we sense and experience those at seeing God, nothing exists outside of God. So then when we're talking about the opposite of positive traits, what to us seems evil or bad um, is God's not outside of that, but is that a clouding of God or what are we seeing God or is that, what, what is that? That emerges out of our closing our minds off to God. The question is, why does God allow that to happen? But, but evil emerges out of the, um, the absence of God's presence in our subjective world. Objectively, God's presence can never and will never be absent. But it's just like here in the room, there's music right now, but it's absent in my subjective room because I didn't turn on a radio and tune into it. Uh, we, We allow for evil when we tune out God from our world. Hmm. So, that's, I guess, then what I'm understanding is, is that the more people and the more, well, I guess there's me and my individual world, and then there's us as a people living, as humanity living in this world, is that the reason why it's more and more important to really tap into seeing, connecting to, and so to speak, by seeing, revealing godliness in the world, because the more God is revealed in this world, the more we can experience the world which is what I think with attributes that most of us want to live in a world of peace, a world of beauty, a world of truth. Right. I mean, you know, right now there's a, a, a horrible war going on and it's very saddening. And, and, and each day we, we turn on the radio to hear heartbreaking news uh, about soldiers falling in battle. And, and, and a person can easily feel like, well, what can I do? I'm not on the battlefield. But the truth is, we're all on the battlefield because it's a battle between good and evil. And every time you bring a little more good into the world, you're contributing to to winning that that war. Mm. The war seems to be manifest down there, you know, in in Gaza, between people terrorists who I can't you can't even call them people, who, you know, who, who who murder and mutilate and rape and burn and and and. It seems like that's the that's where the war is happening. But the truth is that's where it obviously manifests. But the war is everywhere because the war between light and darkness, between good and evil. A person needs to understand that every time they bring a little bit more good in the world, they're bringing a little bit more presence of God in the world because God doesn't have the attribute of goodness. God is goodness. And if a person says, I believe in good, but I don't believe in God, that's the same thing as saying you believe in God, because God is good, goodness in its entirety. And so every time we, 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 we open our eyes to good and we bring more good into the world, we are bringing more God into the world and we're changing this world. Hmm. Even though it, you might wonder like, but it just happened in the living room of my house how can that affect the world? But it does because we're all connected. Wow. 
this is really a powerful paradigm shift, but also very empowering, I would say, because my it's not just about me seeing God. The more I see God, the more there's a revelation of God in this world. It's not just about a matter of mind space. It's also, as you're explaining, about actions. The more we act in good ways, the more we're revealing the goodness of God in this world. And it sounds like it's the kind of thing that, you know, like attracts like. The more we are mindful and acting in a way to bring more godliness into the world, it has an effect where it just keeps on bringing more and more of that revelation for myself and for the entire world around us. Rabbi Aaron, I really want to thank you for this eye-opening understanding, first of all, about, I agree what you said, about seeing Hashem, I would say, and how life-changing it can be when we can implement this more. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel.